Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're recording the morning after Forrest drew 2-2 with Luton at the city ground. Steve Cooper's side threw away a two-goal lead in the final 15 minutes of the game to come away with only a point when it perhaps could and should have been three. A brace from Chris Wood had Forrest 2-0 up with 15 minutes to go, but a combination of poor defensive mistakes and substitutions not going to plan meant that Forrest surrendered two points and have to settle for one instead of three. Just before we get into the game, a quick sponsor message. For this season, 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. It's a massive fortnight of sports with the Premier League, rugby and cricket all taking centre stage. To celebrate, Green King is giving listeners of this podcast 20% off drinks until the 29th of October, an hour before, during and after the sport. All you need to do is download the Green King Sport app. If you've not downloaded it before, you'll even get a free welcome pint. So head to your app store, download the Green King Sport app, get 20% off your round and don't miss a minute of the action. Offer ends 29th of October and you'll be supporting our podcast. So into the game then, Stephen here and I'm joined by Adam to look back over events. Forest's late capitulation, I think it's fair to say, against the newly promoted Luton. And starting, Adam, before we go into anything else with the team news then. So Forest lined up in the 4-3-3 formation that they had at Crystal Palace with one change, Anthony Alanga coming in for the injured Callum Hudson-Odoi. And we've since found out that Hudson-Odoi is going to be out for six uh, six weeks so a disappointing blow to see him out of the team for an extended period. But in goal, Matt Turner in defence, Serge Aurier, Murillo, Willy Bolly, and Harry Toffolo. Midfield three of Nicolas Dominguez, Ibrahim Sangare and Oral Mangala with the front three of Morgan Gibbs-White, Chris Wood and Anthony Alanga. And the bench included Odysseus Vlacodimos, Joe Worrell, Nico Williams, Chet Kuyate, Andre Santos, Musani Akate, Ryan Yates, Aguilera and Ola Aina. More on the bench and the substitutions later, but Adam, your first thoughts on that team. Coming off the back of the Crystal Palace performance, where I think Forrest actually played quite well, didn't seem any problems with, with Cooper going with largely the same team, did it? No, not really. I think the, the difficulty for Cooper is, is that he wants to play this 4-2-3-1. He wants to have that sort of potentially Sangare-Dominguez pivot or Sangare-Mangala pivot with obviously Gibbs-White in the 10 with Alanga and Hudson-Odoi either side with a, a one year down the middle. That's his. He played that 
um, against, and it's that's one of those formations, and that's one of those systems I can get behind. So, um, but when it's four three three, because you know Hudson Odoi is in, uh, injured, he's kind of forced to go back to this four three three. But I didn't really have an issue with it, mainly because that midfield three. I look at that and think that could be anywhere in the Premier League. I mean, that's a fantastic midfield three. The only thing I don't like about it, and this isn't Cooper's fault, this is just the fact that we've had injuries, is when we play that 4-3-3, I do feel like Gibbs White gets a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's not a Cooper problem or it's just an injury problem more than anything in the system you have to play. But yeah, going in, I think the team is fine. I think when you read out the bench there, though, that's when you look at it and think that bench is a lot weaker than we've seen throughout the season so far. Yeah, and when you factor in that there's no Tyware one year available, and then obviously now the the loss of Hudson Odoi, suddenly the the depth that we had doesn't quite look as deep at the moment. Like you say, with that set of options on the bench. Before we get into the meat of the game, we'll just hear quickly from Baz and his views on what happened yesterday. It took me hours to get home today, so uh, these are my thoughts just after the match. Um, I thought that actually for much of the game, we were really, really good, apart from a lack of finishing. In particular, the midfield three are showing signs of being able to work together, um, something that has been lacking in earlier games this season. I thought Mangala in particular looks really, really confident when he's got Songare and Dominguez alongside him. And I think this was Songare's best game for us. Um, It looks like he's starting to get to grips with the, the Premier League and how we play. Um, obviously, the real thing is the substitutions. Uh, Steve Cooper said afterwards that the substitutions, because of the international break and a lot of players, um, were struggling. Um, but yeah, it did sort of completely change the game. He says uh, that it was like one moment, this free kick, that changed the game. But actually, I thought as soon as the substitutions happened, we lost control of the midfield and that's kind of what let them into the game. Having said that, I also think the referee made a mistake. Um, Gibbs White was sort of bundled over and was complaining about not being given a free kick for it. And then that's kind of why he was so fired up and gave away the free kick, which led to them scoring. So uh, if the ref had given that that free kick, who knows what would have happened. Um, But I can't blame the ref for that. Uh, It was an absolutely terrible bit of... um, defending by Aurier to, to let the goal happen and it was um, a mistake by Joe Worrell for the other goal. So two individual mistakes but I think the substitutions are what did it because they allowed them into the game because we lost control of it. Having said that, I am really pleased that we're actually starting to see this new style sort of come together as uh, Songare and Dominguez get to grips with what's going on. Um, the only thing is, yeah, we really, really need someone who can stick the ball in the back of the net consistently. Um, Chris Wood did really, really well, but you're not going to get six chances every game. Um, it's only because it was Luton that we got that many chances. Thank you, Baz. And some interesting points there that Baz raises, and that we're going to have a look and address those as we go through the report. But we'll start back at the beginning of the game and Forrest actually, Adam, made quite a strong start. They were on the front foot and creating chances early on. They could have been ahead within the opening seven or eight minutes when Chris Wood had an effort, a swiveled effort from Harry Toffolo's cross that went straight at the keeper. And then 
across from Morier was headed over by Sangare, a, a, a difficult header, but he, he made a good fist of it and that one went just over the bar. Luton had a cross that fizzed across the face of goal. Nobody could get on the end of it, um, but the replay showed that Murillo actually did get a touch, which might have been crucial in that. And then the big early chance from Forrest's point of view came when Dominguez and Mangala in the midfield had a nice bit of link up to get the get the ball moving. It found its way to Gibbs White down the right hand side. His cross, a low one, was blocked by Kaminsky in the Luton goal. And Toffolo was there. It looked like he just needed to prod it home and it didn't quite happen. And Luton got the ball away. But it was a bright start from Forrest, wasn't it? And and positive signs. They were creating plenty of chances. Yeah, that, I mean, that Toffolo one, just talking about that, I've got no idea how that didn't end up in. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm obviously in the ground and watching it thinking, like, how on earth is that not going in? And then I watched the match of the day um, highlights and I watched the Forest. It's actually not in the Forest highlights package, but in the match of the day one. And I just, yeah, it was a weird one. And look, I think we were okay first half. You know, I, don't, I think that, I think we controlled the game. We we did something in the Premier League that you, you've not seen us really do in this division, and that's control a game for large parts of the first half, have a lot of the ball. And that midfield, I mean, the, one of the points that Baz made about that midfield three is completely right. I mean, it, it's almost like those three midfielders, it doesn't feel real in a way that they're playing for Forest. Like, you've got those three players that all individually are fantastic and they're really finding a rhythm. And it actually means that we stick with the four through three longer if them three are playing really well, I suppose. So, but look, there was a few chances. Obviously, Ward had its chance in the first half. Um, and the, the big one I want to talk about in the first half was the Sangare miss because I still don't know how he's missed that. Obviously, yeah. it was a ball by body over the top to Gibbs White who found himself in absolutely acres of space, put a good ball across, sort of fell to Sangare and I, I I don't know how he's missed. No. He's only got to put. He's only got to put it into a half. Say an empty net, a half empty net. Because Kaminsky's come across and he's sort of on the floor, so he's sort of in a half empty net. It's in, it, you know, if you've not seen the game, it's in the first ten seconds of the Forest highlight package on the YouTube channel. Um, and he's just he's hammered it. He's all, he's just hit it too well. He's tried to put too much power in it. All he has to do is pass it into the net, and it's one nil at half time. And I think it's a different game. You know, we had said before the game that if Forest go one nil up in this game. I don't see any way back into the game for Luton. I don't think they've got enough quality to get back into a game. So on that first half display, and I, I haven't really got any complaints to it. You know, we had a couple of chances that have to go in. The Sangari one it, and the Toffolo one are the big ones, but especially the Sangari one, he's got to put that in. Mm. Got to put it in. We should be going in one, two and up at half time. But yeah, overall first half, I mean, I suppose we can't really have many complaints. And the the point you mentioned there about Forest controlling the game, they picked up it in many ways where they left off at Crystal Palace before the international break. They felt a lot more in control of that game, the way that they were playing. And certainly that midfield trio had a big part to play in that as well. Um, so it was good to see Forest continuing that. But like you say, they should have been one or two goals up. And if that Sangari one goes in right on the, the stroke of half time, you know, things might have been... Very different, but Forrest did open the scoring just after the half-time break, and it was Chris Wood this time. It was a, a Luton free kick it started from, and Forrest regained possession and broke quickly with Morgan Gibbs-White and Anthony Alanga linking up well. Wood as well involved in that. 
The ball then is fed through to Wood. He's through on goal, clean, one-on-one with the keeper. And as the keeper comes out, he dinks it over him. It's a nice finish and a deserved lead for Forrest. And good to see Wood back on the score sheet in Tyrell Wanyi's absence. Yeah, there's a lot of light about this goal. Um, Gibbs White put a, a lovely ball through to Alanga. Alanga obviously progressed it to Wood. And the finish by Wood, I don't think it's being talked about enough. Mm. I think it's a fantastic finish. It's a finish full of confidence. It's a man that this time, you know, obviously last year when he joined the club, he looked, and this is just my opinion, I think he looked a bit overweight. He didn't look, he didn't look fully fit, you know, and I think start of this season, he looks leaner, he looks quicker, he looks sharper. Maybe he just needed a bit of time to get used to the Forest system and be playing, you know, week in, week out again, because, you know, this finish was a great finish and it was a lovely goal and it, it, it proves what we can do when we play the ball with a little bit of pace, with a little bit of speed and catch teams on, because if you look at that attack, you're talking at times, it was about three on three, uh, maybe Luton had four back at one point, but it was just, we moved the ball quickly, effectively, and then scored. And we've got the ability to do that. And I think just the point of Anthony Langer as well, I think this was his best game in a forest shoot. I thought he was absolutely excellent. You know, he assisted both goals and he looked really bright on the day, beat his man more times than not. And I think he played really well. So, yeah, good goal, um, good finish by Wood. And it, that finish by Wood gave me a little bit of confidence about how he being out for a bit longer anyway. Yep, he did finish it well. The only thing was, shortly after that, he had another big opportunity to score Wood. And it's a cross from Aurier from the right-hand side. Wood's eight yards out and heads it over the bar. And you'd think a player of his ability in the air, he should be burying that. And he had one in the first half as well. Similar setup. He's picked out at the back post. I think it was Aurier again, and he headed it over. So feasibly at this point in the game, Chris Wood could have had a hat-trick. So there's another big opportunity that was missed. And it, it sort of started to paint a picture of the afternoon where Forrest were not making the most of their chances. No, and I, I think uh, the one you're talking about there, I mean, the header was in the six-yard box. It was a Gibbs-White um, ball in, but yeah, he's, he's lost his marker and he's sort of just on the edge of the six-yard box. And you're looking at that thinking, all you've got to do is nod that home. And it's it's actually, in a lot of ways, it's actually an easier chance than the one he had. Because mm-hmm. when you're running one-on-one on goal, it's not always easy because you overthink it and you think wherever... Whereas that one, it's just edge of the six-yard box. You've just really got to nod it either side of the goalkeeper and it's a goal where he's not saving it. So disappointing that one was. And he'll be disappointed because, like you say, he should have had a hat-trick yesterday. He should have. <laughs> like there's, he could have had more. I mean, look, on the day, I mean, I I had a quid on Forrest to win 5-0. And that's probably not respecting Luton as much as I should have. But am I wrong to say that we could have? Really? I mean, it's, you put those chances away, you're not far off. Like... And yeah, that, that's one he'll regret. I, I wish he can have that one back because it's bread and butter for his type of finishing. And a couple more chances that Forrest had. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, he had a shot saved after winning the ball back outside the area. He then took a quick drive at goal, but Kaminsky parried it away. And then not long after, he cut inside in the area, but put his shot left-footed over the bar. And as we entered the last 15 minutes of the game, Forrest were deservedly 1-0 up. But then this is where all of the action really started to happen. So Luton had a penalty shout, Sangare on Morris. Sangare won the ball, but then the follow-through, in the follow-through, he he sort of 
kicks and collides with Morris. It went to VAR. It wasn't given. I'm not convinced it was a penalty, Adam. Would you agree with that? Yeah, not for me. Not for me. Um, you, you'd, be, you'd be frustrated to go in and win the ball. I, I think follow-through is a term that is used a lot by VAR, by referees, by pundits. And I think it's overused because sometimes it's like you get to that point where he's won the ball. Well, that's what matters, really. If the follow-through is where his studs are up and he goes through and breaks his leg or something, then yeah, it's a red card and you understand it. But attack a challenge like that where he wins the ball and yes, he does make contact with the player. But what is he meant to do? Is he meant to not make contact with the player? It's still a contact sport. He wins the ball, and I think that's all that really mattered. So there was a lot of Luton fans on Twitter moaning about that one, but for me, it would have been an extremely harsh penalty. Yeah, I agree. And not long after, Forrest did double their lead, and it started with, in the middle of the park, ball played out to Anthony Alanga down the left-hand side, who'd been really good and threatening all game. He cuts back, hits an in-swinging cross into the penalty area and Chris Wood guides it into the far corner of the net. A more difficult chance than the two he spurned earlier, but made no mistake with it, guided it into the far corner past Kaminsky. And at this point, it looked like Forrest were on their way to three points and comfortably on their way to three points as well. Another nice goal, though, for Chris Wood, this. Yeah, and it was uh, Morgan Gibbs-White breaking from midfield to play it out to Alanga again. So that's two on the day where... Uh, Gibbs White and Alanga have c- combined for then Alanga to assist Chris Wood. So um, a bit of consistency there. And that's nice to see. And that's nice to see that they're linking up together and they're they're able to play as that trio. Um, because with Awani out and with hudson Adoy out and in January, we know obviously AFCON as well. We're not going to have um, Awani. We're not going to have a number of players. So to see these three linking up and these three ring players that are going to stay with us for the whole season... You know, it's nice, and it was a it was a good header. It is funny you say that because it was the hardest chance he had in the air on the day. So yeah, he's he he put it away really well. But yeah, this was probably the last thing we really had to cheer about in the game at this point, wasn't it? So it was, uh, yeah. yeah. But look, look, I think that this point I make before we get into this, tune a lot. That's that should be game game over at home against what nearly any team in the Premier League. You you tune it up at home with with a, the time that was to go to go. You, you can't be chucking it away from that point. But I'm sure, it's something we'll touch on anyway. And it's worth mentioning as well that up to this point in the game, I don't think Luton had had too many chances. I, I think one simple save Matt Turner had to make with the strike that was right at him. But I can't think of any other instances where he was really tested and. Yes, it looked like Forrest were were well on their way at this point. Luton had made a couple of substitutions before the second goal, most notably bringing on Ross Barkley and Ross Townsend for his Luton debut and Elijah Adebayo. And then two minutes after the goal, Forrest make three changes of their own. So coming off, Ibrahim Sangare, Nicolas Dominguez and Willy Bolly being replaced by Czech Kuyate, Ryan Yates and Joe Worrell, which on the face of it looks like substitutions to see out the game and try and shut up shop. I was a little bit surprised with the introduction of Joe Worrell for Willie Bolly. I was more surprised that Bolly was taken off because he was playing well and has been playing well all season. So again, that principle as well of not disrupting your backline unless you really, really need to. And 
it's since come out after the game. Steve Cooper said that Bolly was tired and he was struggling and he needed to come off. And that was related to the international break. But a few minutes after the substitutions, the the drama starts from Forrest's point of view. So 82 minutes, Luton are awarded a free kick. And actually, before they are awarded a free kick, I think Forrest should have had a free kick. Morgan Gibbs-White is hauled back by the neck, pretty much, by a Luton player. He retaliates because the referee doesn't give the decision. Now, Gibbs-White shouldn't retaliate. In doing so, he gives away a stupid free kick and Forrest concede from it. But yeah, on a quick one on that, Adam, because I, I, really, I think the referee should have given the initial foul and a, a free kick to Forrest. Yeah, it was a free. It was definitely a foul on Morgan. Um, look, if you've if you've played the game at any level, you know that you don't get one, a blatant one. You've the blood's pumping a little bit. Maybe you you lash out. It, it happens. I know you could say oh, it shouldn't happen at the Premier League level. It, it shouldn't, but it, it always will. You know, they're only humans at the end of the day. He goes and makes a silly foul. The thing is about this substitution, and the thing is about Steve Cooper's reasoning for taking Bolly off. I've got to be completely honest and say the his reasoning for taking Bolly off doesn't wash with me at all because I, Cooper knows his players more than I do. Obviously, of course he does. But at the same time, Bolly looked fine. He looked like he was all right. Mm. And he took him off in what, in the 75th minute or whatever, or 70th minute or whatever it might have been. How much difference to a professional athlete is 20 minutes going to make for me? And... What I was saying, Cooper's defence about the substitutions is that you should be able to make them subs and it not change the game as drastically as it did. You should be able to make them subs and Forrest just see the game out because you know Joe Worrell has been absolutely fine this season and against Chelsea he was he was absolutely brilliant. But Joe Worrell is a better backs against the wall defender than he is uh, coming on against a team that you are better than type defender. If you see what I mean? Like he comes up, plays against a Chelsea or he plays against a Man City or whatever, right? He's quite, he's really good at getting his body in the way. He's really good at like being that solid sort of last ditch defender. What he's not good at is being brought on to what he had to do yesterday is seeing out a game against a team that realistically we're probably better than. Realistically, the game was still expansive and we we probably thought we could get another one as well. It, it, when he came on, he didn't look comfortable. And you again, it's a settled back line. If you've got a settled back line, why disrupt it? Mm. Why take off Willy Bolly to disrupt that back line? And if you're taking Willy Bolly off, in my opinion, you're bringing the Akate on, surely. You're bringing on a, a player that is physical and is pacey and that can deal with anyone that Luton bring on. Mm. And, you know, we'll talk about the second goal in a minute, but... Joe Worrell in general got bullied by Adebayo. He bullied by him. And he was only on the pitch for 10, 15 minutes, Adebayo. And like, it, it, it's always easy to say this with hindsight. And this is where it's difficult to be a football manager is that it's hard with hindsight for us to not say, well, yeah, Worrell should, shouldn't have come on. But it seemed an odd one at the time. And like you say, you thought at the time, mm, that's a weird one. And everybody in the ground had a bit of a collective moan of, that's a strange one for me. And this isn't me slating Joe Worrell because Joe Worrell has been good when he's played, but it wasn't the right substitution. It wasn't the right player to bring on. And the goal itself is 
and, and, and again, you know, if I'm the harsh one, I'm the harsh one. If I get slated for it, I get slated for it. If I go to a Sunday league game today, I don't expect to see that defending. You cannot. I don't know what Sergio Aurier is doing. Yeah, I've got no. I've got no idea what he's doing because that ball's not coming in with pace. You watch that goal back again. That goal. That ball's not coming in with pace. He could chest that down, or he could put his foot up and just take it down, and he can run off with it. He doesn't even have to really head this away. Or if he doesn't want to be as composed as that, he could just lever it. He could just, if that ball comes to him, he could smash it away. I think he could control it. But ultimately, that ball comes to him, he levers it away. There's no pace on the ball, no pace whatsoever. And instead, what he does is he crouches down and he almost flicks it on. He flicks it on for Luton. There's no danger to that ball and he flicks it on. Yeah. Has he got the assist on FPL? Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, it, It's bizarre. Inexplicable. And this is the point we was going to look at. When the ball comes in from that, that far touchline, it's a, it's a really bad ball. Probably Luton's worst ball of the day. And I, I've got no idea what Aurier's doing there. A player of his experience and ability, it just doesn't make sense. But what happens is, as a result of him doing this attempted crouch header clearance... The ball comes over, it goes into the box. Toffolo has a swing at it, but he can't get it away. And, you know, that's not really Toffolo's fault. He's just trying to clear it. It drops to Ogbené and he's in the front of goal with just Turner to beat. And he he, he beats him with, a, with a, a powerful finish. So at 2-1, having been comfortable and, and looked on course for seeing the game out, suddenly Forrest have conceded the goal, conceded momentum, and it's given Luton a bit of hope. And I don't know about you, Adam, but when that goal went in, I started to feel a bit nervous, like, yes, okay, it's Luton, but yeah, I don't like how this has happened. And it just felt a bit ominous at that point. It was almost one of those here we go moments, wasn't it? Where it's like, they're not, they've not been in the game. They've barely created anything. Here we go. You know, <laughs> here they go. They're going to go and score now. I'll give it to the, the you know, I think it was a good finish. I mean, he, he took it on the turn. He's put it right in the top bins. It was a good finish. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a here we go. And the second goal comes along. Um, I want to, I, want, I would like to give credit where credit's due. I thought Ross Barkley was really good when he came on. I think Ross Barkley did really well in that Luton midfield. And I don't know about anybody else. I think it's nice to see him playing in the Premier League again. Because I think he's, he's clearly a good lad and he's got a lot of talent and you know it's nice to see him playing in the Premier League again. But the second goal is and and Warrell's getting a lot of stick for the second goal and you know you can say rightly so he, sh- he shouldn't be beat. But Odebayo is a big lad. He's a big, strong, physical lad. And I'm not saying that Olerain is more to blame than Joe Warrell for the second goal, but he's as much to blame as in my opinion because. Yeah. Worrell seems an easy person to blame. The ball comes up by Lockyer. It It's a simple cross field, just in, into the box ball, right? You deal with it by you getting your head on it, or if you're not going to win it, don't commit to it. And that's what Worrell does. He commits to it. He thinks he's going to win it, doesn't win it, and then he's been beat. So his positioning's a little bit wrong on that anyway, because he should be behind the man. And if Adebayo takes it down, then Worrell's still next to him. Mm. And Worrell can then defend the situation. But what he's done is he's he's been beat by the touch by Adebayo, by, by Adebayo just being stronger. But I think I, I don't think it's so much about Warrell's strength, like a lot of people are saying. I think it's more his positioning. But Adebayo beats him. But Adebayo's knocked it down. 
and the ball's been knocked down, Olerina is stood there next to him. If he really, I've I've watched it, I've I've watched it, paused it, played it six, seven times on the highlights because I want to know if I'm being harsh. But I've seen it, and this is I'm convinced now. Olerina throws his body in front of the ball, not in front of the man, not to commit a penalty, but just throws his body in front of the ball. It doesn't happen mm. because the ball is that it's it's reachable for Ina to get there. It is reachable. All he has to do is if he chucks his body in the way, I think he stops the goal happening. Yeah, and it's like Olerina has been one of our best players this season, so I'm certainly not digging him out completely. But I don't. Again, it's that level of. I mean, this goal in itself. Again, you look at this goal. If this happened in Sunday League or if this happened in League Two, I'm going to watch Mansfield next Saturday. If this happened at Mansfield next Saturday, I'd think, yeah, fair enough. You know, he's chested it down and he scored. It was. It's not complexity. It's basics. It's basic defending. I've got no idea what Olerano is doing. I don't know if Olerano is just not fully fit or he's just coming back from injury or, and it's like it's maybe he's not sharp yet. Maybe he's not got... But he's a professional footballer and that ball drops down in front of Adebayo. If you're Ina, you've got to want to put everything into blocking that ball. It's a good finish by Adebayo. I'm, I'm not going to... I've seen a lot of Slayton Turner. I'm not going to slate Turner. He's hit it so hard. Like Turner maybe shouldn't be at his near post, but he has absolutely hammered it past him. So... I yeah. think it'd be harsh to blame Turner, but both goals, there's something out of Sunday League for me. And quite frankly, I can't express how frustrated I am by it. And they are both both those goals are embarrassing. Embarrassing at the Premier League level. Embarrassing at championship level. You know, they're embarrassing at professional standard. You can't be giving either of them goals away. And to do that and to give away three points against a team that you know, realistically, you know, I, I don't see a scenario where they're not relegated at home. It's just simply not good enough. And that's now four points against the three newly promoted teams at home. One of those games against Sheffield United, we won where we had to score a very late goal to win the game. Just look at it. And you could say, obviously, Luton scored a late goal, which made it, you know, but you've got to look at that and say, as a stat, it's not good enough. And that's two wins in nine to start the season. And again, for me, that's not good enough. It, it, it's just not. And I can't sugarcoat it. I can't put it any other way. Two wins out of your first nine games. You expect to maybe lose the Man City away, the Man United away, the Arsenal away. That's fine. We played well in all three of those games. There's no debate for me. But the Brentford game before the sending off, I don't think we were good enough. I think the Luton game... And the the Luton game, we control a lot of the game. It's one of them. It happens. I get it. The Burnley game, I think they were probably the better side. I think we were quite lucky to get a point out of that game. The Sheffield United game, I thought we were very, very average. And I think that, that we made them look like a half-decent side, which I don't think they are. It, it's just disappointing. Mm. And I think that out of them first nine games to have won two, that is disappointing. And we're 15th in the league, and that's disappointing. And I, and I, and if you want to, I, I hope that you've got a positive point to, to throw back at me, but I, I'm just a bit down in the dumps about it at the minute, to be honest. I think the manner of this this result has compounded that disappointment as well for people because, yeah, 2 nil up against Luton, they've got a lot of fight and a lot of heart about them and full 
full credit to them. And I think that's going to take them a long way this season, whether it's enough to get them out of the bottom three and keep them there. I'm not wholly convinced, but I think out of the three promoted teams, Luton are probably going to be the ones that go closest to staying up. Um, But yes, I think, I think Forrest, Forrest certainly individually yesterday were poor. I think Cooper does need to, take responsibility for the substitutions because I think some of them were not necessary or certainly different players could perhaps have come on, say near Carte for Worrell. But yes, I think Forrest have paid the price for individual errors on the day. Cooper can't put the ball in the net for Chris Wood a couple of times. He can't stop Aurier from having brain freeze when that ball's coming into the box. And he can't out-muscle Adebayo for Joe Worrell. You know, it's... But at the same time, you look at the goal, you look at Olerina's positioning, he's just stood there when Adebayo's taking the ball down. He's not reacting to what's going on. Again, individuals, I think, not doing their jobs has compounded this result. It could easily have been 4-2, 5-2 to Forest, And we probably all be coming away saying, yeah, OK, a bit of a concern about the goals, but we've won the game and you know we're ninth in the table or wherever we'd be. So it's... I'm yeah. I'm trying to play devil's advocate a little bit here, but it it's hard when you're coming in off the back of that final ten minutes of the game and the way that Forrest threw it away. Olerino as well worth mentioning. He came on for Serge Aurier with about five minutes to go, so maybe he was a bit cold coming into the match. Nico Williams as well. He came on for Anthony Alanga at the same time. So Luton equalise a minute into stoppage time. But then a few minutes later, Forrest get the ball in the net themselves. And it's Nico Williams with the ball down the right flank. He plays it into Chris Wood. And on the angle, Wood fires it across goal. Finishes it very well, actually, to be mm-hmm. fair to him. It's a really good finish. You think Forrest have done it and they've turned it round and they've got away with it. But then it's ruled offside. And in the replay, it's Wood is clearly offside. And I'm I'm looking at that goal quite disappointed because there was no need for Wood to be offside. He had all the space to stay onside and still be ahead of the defenders chasing him. And he still could have finished and won the game for Forrest. So it's a weird situation where I'm looking at the game and thinking Chris Wood has scored two goals, but I'm disappointed with his performance at the same time. Yeah, Um I must admit, obviously, I, I had to look, being in the ground and that, we, we you can't tell whether it's onside or offside when you're stood in the ground, can you? You know, you, you, sometimes you can if it's really obvious, but yeah, we didn't know. And obviously, we celebrated like it was the winner and that. I, look, I would say coming away from that game, I'd still be a bit frustrated by the performance, irregardless of whether we had won the game or not. I would have still been a bit frustrated by the performance. However... Yeah, would have the most one of the strangest performances you'll probably see in a long time because he, he, yeah, he almost comes away from it thinking I could have had four or five today, and he probably should have. Like, I was happy. But I don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm 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 made up that he got two goals yesterday because I think he needed that. I think he needed that confidence boost to to get two goals. But like you rightly said, not every team's going to give you six chances to put the ball in the back of the net, are they? So you, you can't rely on the conversion rate that he had yesterday. You can't. But it's disappointing. And I think that's the, I mean, the most disappointing thing about that is that I, I've watched it back and thought the exact same thing. And I think most people listening to this probably have as well, that he's got absolutely no reason to be offside. 
no reason whatsoever. And like, he has finished it off well. Don't get me wrong; it's a really good finish, and it, it's just very inconsistent. I, mean, I think that's the, probably the word to use for Chris Wood, isn't it? He's just quite inconsistent, and that's the difference between a decent striker and someone that I think Chris Wood is is a decent striker who is a good backup and a starting striker in the Premier League. They're your key differences, aren't they? Really, and you know it's. It's disappointing. I think disappointing is probably the word of the day. Yeah. On that note, we'll now hear the opposition view on the game. So it's over to friend of the pod, Ryan McColl. I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, I thought either Luton would get a smash and grab 1-0 or you'd hammer us because our defence is not exactly renowned for its sturdiness. But yeah, opening 15, I thought uh, Luton slightly edged it. Uh, A couple of chances across goal. Forrest took a little while to settle, but then um, that chance, I think about 25th minute, cleared off the line for sure. I thought that was going in. And then Woods again, just before the half hour, another good chance. Um, so look, first half hour felt like it was evenly matched, um, but probably Forrest were more composed, but just missing that bit of cutting edge. Luton had little moments, said, but struggling to really um, string passes together. I'm impressed with Forrest and how solid they seem to be at the back. Some absolutely man-monsters in that team. Um, some class as well, to be fair. Um, and then coming up to half-time, that Sangare chance, wow, must be go- must be a goal. How he's missed that one, not quite sure, but thought, well, do you know what? Might be our day here. Uh, but then, lo and behold, into the second half, and uh, within a couple of minutes, you're 1-0 up. Um, really nicely worked goal. Could be slightly critical if a... I was being harsh on the keeper. Maybe did he commit a bit early, but to be fair to Wood, really nice touch across the defender and then really calm, composed finish. And then literally two minutes later, that that header, nice centre into the middle, should make it two. Uh, Almost gets up too early. Um, But uh, yeah, then um, he did make it two. Not 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 far after with that kind of raking, sort of drifting, crossing, really nice delivery in. And uh, Loon just couldn't get hold of him. So 2-0, 75th minute. Morris, does he have a pen? I've seen him given. I've seen him given, mate. But um, yeah, then then Loon do pull one back. And uh, that VAR, first experience of good old VAR, seems to take an age. I was convinced he might chalk it off. And uh, then suddenly Forrest seemed to look a bit nervous. That it made a number of sub- Cooper made a number of subs, didn't he? So around the 70 mark. And um, suddenly they looked a bit unsure of themselves and a lot of the fans were saying that around us as well. Um, and to be fair, I thought the second goal from Adebayo was a really great takedown. You could argue the defender should do should do better. Uh, I think it just come on for you. Um, Yates, was it? But... Um, yeah, that moment I'm thinking we've absolutely got away one here. You should have been home and hosed. Uh, it should have been about 3-0 before half-time, really, uh, if not before 50 minutes. But, um, look, such is life in the Prem. We've had similar similar bits before where we've been totally on top of games and then come away with either a draw or nothing. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyable uh, game. Um, I thought Ross Barkley and Andros Townsend, Townsend added a bit of class to the game, got hold of it a little bit, and maybe that seemed to uh, coincide with Luton's comeback. But overall, really, really decent point. For sure, we'll be happier than the Forest fans. And I can understand that Cooper said he felt like a loss after. 
1965 Match Report. Thanks, Ryan. So, back to this game then, Adam. And the response to the game, looking at the reaction from the supporters, you've got, obviously, disappointment across the board, and that's fair and understandable. But our WhatsApp group after the game last night was quite interesting. There was certainly a difference of opinion. There were some people who were saying, well, look, it's it's disappointing what's happened, but there's a bigger picture at play and more to consider than just this one game and this result. And others, and obviously yourself, as you've, as you've mentioned already, think it not happy with the result, not good enough. And really it's quite a worrying performance and a worrying result in the end. Do you think that this, uh, this polar opposite of opinions, almost it's, it's reflective of the fan base because I, I've I've seen similar kind of discourse on forums and social media after the game. You've got a lot of people really saying it's not good enough and, you know, it's something to be concerned about. But others looking at the bigger picture and saying, well, you can't just pin it on one game against Luton, you know? Well, let, well let's look at the bigger picture then. The, the bigger picture is that we're 15th in the league and we've won two games in nine. That, that that's that's the facts. That's that's not me being negative or positive. I'm I'm just reading out facts to you. We have only won two out of the nine games. And yes, we have had Man City away, we've had Arsenal away, we've had Man United away, we've had Chelsea away, which we actually won. Um so we've had four, you know, you could you could you could say, Oh, I can write four of them off, but this is this is kind of the attitude that I think has to change. And Maranakis has talked about this attitude changing as well, right? There's almost this attitude that people are just happy to be here. They're just happy to be in the Premier League. And I think we have to evolve from that attitude. We can't be having the opinion of, I'm just happy to be in the Premier League. I don't think that works at this point in time. We can't just say, well, you know, like, we're doing all right. We're not going to get relegated, you know. But what's the goal? Is the goal just to not get relegated or is the goal to try and finishing the top 12 and sort of look like an established Premier League club. I mean, where where does that... And this is probably where the, the discourse comes from online and in our group chat, is that I think we're split as a fan base, that some fans are happy to be in the Premier League and some fans are more wanting to progress. And, I, and, and someone in our group chat mentioned last night where it's second season syndrome. So like when Sheffield United came up the other year, they were brilliant the first year and then they got relegated the second year. I don't think that really applies to us as much because we weren't we were we were fine last year and we stayed up and that's all that mattered last year and I completely agree. But this year you want you, you don't sign players like Ibrahim Sangare and look at being in a relegation battle again. If we're in a relegation battle again this season, Steve Cooper loses his job. That that will happen. And that's not, I'm not saying he should. You know, no in no instance should that be taken out of context that I'm saying Steve Cooper should lose his job, but he will lose his job if we don't progress this season. And so far, I've seen glimpses of progression. I've, I've seen games and I've seen moments where I'm like, that's better than last season. That's a lot better than last season. Palace away game, I thought, was a big indicator of that's where we're better than last season because we came here away from home, looked like the better side and could have beat Palace away. And Palace are a sort of side that we, we're looking to be, are they not? Are they, are they you know, that established Premier League club that no one ever thinks will go down and maybe thinks that in a couple of years' time can push on. And that's kind of where I want us to be. 
So my frustration and maybe my opinions are mo- mostly based off the fact that I want Forest to push on in the Premier League and I don't want us to be a team that fights relegation every year because I think we've got the resources, the finances behind us to be better than that. So maybe I'm being overambitious and if that's the case, then that's absolutely fine. People can call me out and say you're being overambitious. I'm not saying let's go on a European charge. You know, I, I'm just saying let's finish 12th to 10th in well, 12th to 8th maybe in the Premier League. 8th is a bit higher. Let's say 12th to 10th is probably fairer. I'm saying let's finish in either the top half or the top of the bottom half and let's progress. Let's be 20 points above relegation or 15 points above relegation or whatever it is and let's really sort of kick on. And there is a point to be made that what was six points off fifth, six points off the relegation spot. So it is completely level. But our next three games, we've got Villa, Brighton and Liverpool. Now, Villa and Brighton are at home, but Villa and Brighton are better teams than us. So that means automatically that you're going to have to be better. That You've got to be better than maybe your best sometimes. You've got to hope that they don't play well as well. If we play like we did against Luton yesterday, as much as we played all right and we controlled the game, teams like Brighton, teams like Aston Villa will beat us. And I'm sure of that. Also, just mentioning before Brighton, it's West Ham away, which exactly, last yeah. season wasn't, wasn't one of our best away days, to put it lightly, but... Obviously, another good team who we know what they're capable of. You can't bank out. I don't think you can bank out on any points out of those four games if you're not playing to your best ability, especially because we've got players like Tywo out injured as well, Hudson Adoy out injured now. So there's an argument to be made that out of the next four games, you get nothing. And I think that if if Villa and Brighton play as well as Brook Villa and Brighton can, that they will they will beat us. And I think a point that you wanted to mention at the start when we were talking about this was that that home advantage we had last season feels like it's gone this season because the atmosphere in the ground is just, it's not good. It's its really not good. I'm, I'm, I took a friend last season to the Brighton game, not a Forest fan, and he was he said that's the most incredible atmosphere I've ever been a part of. Mm. You contrast that to now. It was, I think, it was dead yesterday. I think it was the ground was silent yesterday. Like, why, why do you think that is? Is that because we're playing Luton and people are expecting us to turn up and win, or are we just getting used to being a Premier League team and there's a natural drop off that comes with that? Because in our position, still, we're still establishing ourselves as a Premier League team. I would argue we still need the fans as much as anything, and yeah, doesn't care if it's Manchester United, Arsenal or Luton at home, that shouldn't change in the atmosphere and the fans should still be cheering the team on just as much. Well, that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where I feel as well, because I think you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, if our our waveform last season was abysmal, it can be called nothing else. But this season, our waveform has been pretty good. We've been going away, we've been picking up points. We've had games like Man United where we should have got something out of the game and through no fault of our own, in my opinion, we don't. Away form has been better. So would you not look at that as a Forest fan and think, well, if we play better away and we're getting more points away, then if we if we can maintain some semblance of that home form from last year, then we're going to look like a really good side. I mean, we're looking at a side that will finish 10th or, do you know what I mean? And we'll be 15, 20 points above the relegation zone. If we can keep that bit of away form and just get a bit better away, that is something we can achieve. So why would you not want a better atmosphere at home? I mean, like... I understood the. I went to the Burnley Cup game. I, I understood that the atmosphere dropped off a little bit there. You, you're playing in the Carabao Cup, early rounds. 
you know, maybe the, the same atmosphere isn't there, is it? I, I get that. I, I understood that. But every, every other home game this season, I'm, I'm just, I'm sat there scratching my head thinking, what, why has it changed? And I, I think going back to your point, I think the reason it has changed is because maybe it is a getting used to it. Maybe it is a, I don't want to call it arrogance, but maybe it is that sort of kind of, well, we're a Premier League team now, so this is what we're going to get used to. And it, it must be touched on, and Tom touched on it a lot in our group chat as well, about the um, the away fans and stuff. And where the away fans, they're all different people. And I've noticed in the lower trend, I used to, I, when I sat there in the championship and League One, whatever, I, I saw the same faces every single week. Mm. Whereas now, sort of not so much. And it's like, maybe it's just, we've got fans now that are coming that want to see a Premier League club, just want to see Premier League football. You know, maybe it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I, I really wish that I could give you the answer and stuff. But if we could replicate some of the the atmospheres from last season's home games, I mean, we would have a fortress. And we would have times. I mean, there was Man City, the best team in the world. Man City might be one of the best teams of all time, and they come here, they come here and couldn't win. Yeah, and we've got a better team this season than we had last season. We have. And now, I think we, and now we can't win against Burnley, Brentford, or Luton at home. It's just like it's weird. It's so strange, and you can't explain it in a way. I still think there's a responsibility on the fans to generate that atmosphere and give the players that boost. I know it works both ways. You need the players to be giving you things on the pitch to cheer about. But I think we as fans still have a responsibility to get the atmosphere up and keep the atmosphere going throughout the game like it was last season. You know, we're we're by no means a settled and established Premier League team yet. This is only our second season at this level after, what, two decades away? So I think there's still got to be that from the fans. But talking quickly on progression for a moment and Forest are trying to now adapt and introduce a more possession-based style of play. You've seen it throughout the season. I think at Crystal Palace, we saw a really good example of that progression, the way that Forest controlled that game for the spells that they did. And again, here against Luton for most of the game, Forest looking to be more comfortable in possession and have more control over games. Now, to look at that, you think, well, maybe results like what have ha- what's happened against Luton and the fact we haven't quite been able to finish teams off as much as we would like to is because we are in a bit of a transition between what we were doing last season, that low block, giving up the majority of possession and moving now towards a more possession-based game. So what do the fans want? Because it, in my opinion, if we were still playing the same low block football, 20% possession, as last season, people would be critical and they'd be criticising Cooper saying he's only got one way of playing, there's no plan B. I think all of those lines would be coming out and the fans would be unhappy. Modern day football is difficult for managers, let's let's have that right. But I, I meant I put I said a comment in our group chat last night that maybe I woke up this morning and was like, maybe I was a little bit angry, maybe I was a little bit reactive, right? So I completely accept that. And the comment was I think Steve Cooper takes us so far, but I think he has a ceiling of how far he can take this club, how far he can take this team. And I, I regret saying that, but I regret saying it for different reasons because Steve Cooper wants to progress this club and he wants us to play differently. He wants us to play more the style that he wants and requires. And obviously when we got promoted, 
we we were I think we were really good to watch. You know, like right, I look back at games like the Swansea game when we won like five one or whatever it was, and the way we knocked the ball around, the way we created chances, the way we scored goals and stuff. Like I thought we were a really entertaining team to watch. And Cooper last season did the did the right thing and said, We can't be that in the Premier League. Because we can't. You play like that in the Premier League, you're gonna get battered every week. It's as simple as and he knew that. So now he's trying to play a little bit more of a formation, a bit more of a style that he prefers, that he would rather play, and he thinks that we can play as a team. He needs to decide whether we can do this or whether we can't. And the problem is, is that you can't develop it on the training pitch. Not really. It's got to be in a game. It's got to be in a match day setting. And I think that the problem is, is that we've seen glimpses of how he wants to play and we've seen glimpses that we can do it. Some of the goals we've created, you know, the way we played against Palace, for example, though we just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. That's one of those things. That's not formation or tactics. That's just finishing. Right? There's nothing we can do about that. But so we've seen glimpses of how good this can be. However, in the short term, I think Cooper needs to be a bit more adaptable to how a game's going. I think he needs to be a bit more adaptable to sort of who we're playing on that sort of thing as well. Against Luton yesterday, I think that the tactics were fine. I, I don't I don't think there was a problem there. I think play, trying to play this style of football against a pretty average team is, is, is completely fine. But in the first nine games, if you say to me, is this new style of football changed loads of things? Are we loads better? Are we this? I, I think we're a bit better. But I think we're a bit better because of the personnel we've brought in as well. I don't think we're a bit better because we've started playing different football. And if you ask me what style, what style of football do you want Forrest to play? I might be a minority on this. I couldn't care less how we play for winning games. Maybe I've got a different philosophy than other fans. But if you said to me, oh, we, we would have played that low block against Brentford, but we won 1-0. Or we would have played that low block against Burnley, but we won 1-0 on the counter-attack. I would have took that. I would have been absolutely... Because I would rather win... Then, and we're not playing attractive football now. Let's call it what it is. It's not attractive football now. It's possession-based football on a similar mould to someone like Brentford, for example. Who, and I think that's probably a decent like model to follow. But the difference is Brentford have got one of the best strikers in the Premier League up front. They've got um, players that can change a game and all that sort of stuff. I know this season they haven't had Tony, so it's been different. But you've seen how much they've dropped off this season for not having a striker that scores every single chance and is fit all season. We didn't have that last season. We had a striker that scores a lot of goals and has a good conversion rate, but wasn't fit all last season. He now won't play because of AFCON. He's now got another injury issue. We can't rely on Tyro Aroni the same way that Brentford rely on Ivan Tony. So if you want to play this kind of, in my opinion, fairly similar way to Brentford, it's not going to work. And I think he's going to revert back to what he played before. And this is where you've got to ask the question. I, I, I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm just saying that sometimes we've got to ask difficult questions. We're on a podcast. That's what we're here for. You've got to ask the question, does Steve Cooper know how to progress this team further than where we were last season? Does he know how to progress this team and get the tactics right more better than last season and to progress us into that top side of the top half of the table team? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, and I think time will tell with that. But at the moment, it's it's hard to it's hard to guarantee and say yes. And I think that's where I'm at. 
Well, I think there'll be quite a few fans who agree with you. And then a lot of fans, as we were talking about, will be saying, well, give the guy more time. He deserves an opportunity to prove himself further. And yes, I think that's that's indicative of the split opinion amongst the Forest fan base at the moment. But all very interesting, all the same. We'll leave it there. We look forward now to an away game at Liverpool next weekend. And in true Forest style, it wouldn't surprise me if they went to Anfield and got something. Always seems to be the way against the big teams. The performances and the results come. But thank you to Ryan for the opposition view on the game. And thank you as well, listener, for joining us as ever. We will be back with you next week with our match reports after the Liverpool game. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. Podcast Network.